0: Peace and prosperity is my first salute to you. I'm Merton Clark and welcome to the Word of Truth Revealed podcast. It is my desire to build you up to increase your spiritual stamina and tenacity, to empower effectiveness and help you discover your purpose. Enjoy this vibrant and dynamic message. Matthew chapter 4 verse 1. And the word of the Lord reads like this. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the, into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone. But on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him in his imagination to the holy city. And had him stand on the highest point of the temple. Verse 6. If you are the son of God. He said. Throw yourself down. For it is written. (laughs) Devil knows the Bible too. He will command his angels concerning you. And they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him. He talked back to the devil. He volleyed. It is also written, do not put the Lord, your God, to the test. Verse 8, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain in his imagination and showed him all of the kingdoms Of the world. And their splendor. All this I will give to you. He said. If you will bow down. And worship me. He's always wanted worship. The devil has always wanted your worship. He doesn't care if you know it. Or you don't know it. You need to know. He's hungry for it. He craves for you to bow to him. Look at verse 10. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Say that with me. Worship the Lord your God. Say it with conviction. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. From the subject this morning, under the theme, the series, Energize Your Serve, today's message at 8, don't forget to worship. As you serve God, as you do what you do, as you make sure that I'm cared for as it relates to the screen ministry, trim screens, music ministry, minstrels. Singers common pro reveal magazine youth ministry awakened aim helps community initiatives international prayer ministry connection point (laughs) make sure as you do what you do administration christian education The shield team. Make sure you don't forget. To take a moment. And worship God. Father forgive us for our lack. Of communion with you. For you are our source and our strength. If it had not been for you on our side. We would not be here. In the darkest moments of our lives, you put angels around us to regulate our soul and our minds. You've helped us down through the years, Holy Spirit, as a pillar of fire and as an invisible cloud guiding us through the troubled waters, allowing us to not drink from the bitter streams, but you made it sweet. You caused substance to come from un- Conventional places. You let us prosper when we didn't deserve to prosper. You fed us. With manna from on high. You gave us your spirit. And you're blessing us even now. Forgive us for not worshiping you. Forgive us for becoming too busy to worship. Forgive us. For not seeing you in the light in which you are. Have your way in this place and in our lives as we come back to the heart of worship. It's all about you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you do something for me? I need another electrifying sound. Clap, clap your hands and let's give God the glory. Come on if the Lord's been good to you let me see you clap your hands <laughs> at 11 o'clock this morning I'm going to be sharing another message entitled grow if you worship God the the growth pattern uh, for your life will take place and I'm gonna be speaking on that but I need to deal with don't forget to worship. Uh, there is something that God wants me to emphasize on today, and that is a kind of thing that we have when we're connecting through assimilation. That is, we need to we need to make sure that there's a sense of belonging here in the ministry, a sense of belonging. Everybody needs a sense of belonging, and that's why those who've been here for a while have to open up their heart to the new people. Uh, if you're not careful, you'll you'll back up from the new people. And uh, if I extend the scepter out, I need you to start moving toward assimilation. And that means all of us are one in Christ Jesus. Uh, the church has not done well with that. It, it turns into cliques. And what happens is, is that when new people come in, we don't know how to warmly welcome them into the core of the ministry. And so one of the things that has to happen from the top down, the culture of the church Has to be established from the top down. And all of leaders in the ministry have to be able to go with the new culture. And welcome those who are coming into the house as members of the church. And not as just new members or people that need to work themselves in the favor. When Jesus touched a man and said be healed. Or he healed them of leprosy. They were healed as they go. They didn't have to work into his favor. Actually they didn't do anything to win his favor. All they had to do was believe. And what we've done is slapped a lot of things on people as they come in that God never intended for us to slap on them. And as a father here in the ministry, and uh, my wife stands with me as well as the ministry leaders here, we welcome the people of God into the house of God. And I need those who've been with me for a while to start developing that type of mindset. We're not pushing anybody away. We're not trying to be suspicious of anybody. We welcome everybody to the cross. Let me just help you at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith. I received my sight and now I'm happy. Finish it all the day. Right now. I am happy right now. I am happy. Right. Right? So if you happy because you got to the cross, how can you block anybody else from coming? They need to be glad for he has made me glad. Come on. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. And if you've been made glad, why would you block anybody else from being made glad? This is religion and we need to kick religion out and pull relationship in. So everyone needs a sense of belonging. One of the reasons why people don't connect with church is because they don't get that sense. Of belonging, feel rejected and dejected, trying to come in, people looking at you weird or not speaking. And then I'm let me speak to the new people as well. You go to Walmart and they don't speak to you. You go to Walmart and there's no greeter. Why would you leave here when there's no greeter? If God call you here, you need to connect. Stop wearing your feelings fin- on your shoulders. I'm establishing the culture, but can you work with me? You get offended once you're going home. I thought he called you. And if he called you, you need to finish it. You need to make the connection. I'm going to help on this side to make the connection. And I need you to be more tenacious on that side as you come in. We need a sense of belonging. That means I reach for you and you reach back. How can I reach for you when you just stand? I don't feel like it. And you still cry about not having the connection. If I reach out to you, you must reciprocate. Well, I'm preaching anyway. When you reciprocate, you get a sense of belonging. Secondly, we have to connect. If you want to go in a new direction, you must make the right connections. We want to make sure that there's fire in the socket. That when you plug in, there's fire, there's juice. When you plug into the right things, you feel the juice. Almost went back, man, to midnight star. Electricity. Electricity. Many of y'all don't know nothing about that in the early 80s, but I remember electricity. You no, know. near There need to be fire in the walls. There need to be fire in your connections. In other words, when a person plugs into you, you can't be mundane, low, depressed, low in spirit. You need to be high. You need to be energized. Your eyes need to shine when you shake a hand. Make the connection. You need to press palms and kiss babies. Wear your mask as you do so. But press palms. Press palms. What does it means? Shake a hand and smile. Practice that today. Bump a hand and smile. Even if they can't see your face, they can see your eyes. You can tell when a person isn't interested by their eyes. Let's make the physical and the spiritual and the relational connections. I want this to be church wide. I want it to lead the church into the community. I want it to go into the city. I want it to go into the county. I want it to go into the state and the nation and the world starting here right now. If you're going in a new direction, make sure you make the right connections. I'm more prophetic now than any prophecy you've ever had personally because this prophecy of making a connection is going to cause fruit to come on your limbs. If you make the right connection, you're going to start seeing clusters of grapes grow. You're going to start seeing fruit ripen and not die on the vine. You're going to see God start to cultivate the soil. So when we plant, you're going to see immediate jump. The Lord spoke to me, son of man, look out the window and what do you see? I said, I see blades of grass. You have rightly saw, the Lord said to me. For in the night season, I have sown seed into the soil. And these blades of grass, which are coming up, is an indicator. The harvest is an indicator that your ladder will be greater than your past. So I'm actually praising forward. I haven't seen the harvest yet, but I know the harvest is coming. And I'm praising him in advance for the new growth that's coming through the soil. And somebody needs to praise with me. And let us exalt his name together. I said the grass is already growing. And he said as this harvest comes forth. It will be an indicator that I'm with you. And that the latter will be greater than the past. So don't look at what we've accomplished, truth reveal. Look onward. God is about to do something new. Can you not tell? Can't you not see? Don't you understand there's a reset? Ah. Uh, come on, let's give him glory. I haven't even gotten into my message yet. And I feel the Holy Ghost on that one. Woo, Jesus. We must make the connections. People of God, don't miss this season or this time. Make the connections. Thirdly, we grow. When you get a sense of belonging and make the connection, you begin to grow. The growing could be number four, but I'm going to deal with growing at 11. What am I doing? Wetting your appetite so you'll tune in as well. You need both of these messages. Growing, growing, not only physically. We're growing physically. We're growing physically. Jesus knew it's in your DNA how tall you would be. So you don't have to pray about tallness uh, physically, but you want to pray about internal tallness. How tall are you inside? Some people are very, very well developed out outwardly, but inside very miniature, like a like very minute, very minute as it relates to understanding and character and stature, which is internal tallness. God wants us to grow inside out. Growing your knowledge, growing your understanding, growing your spirit, growing your receptivity, growing your sensitivity, being able to pick up things without anyone telling you, in your discernment. God will bless you. And then serving is number four. We can switch serving and growing. We can say serving is number three and then growing. is. But I believe if you get a sense of belonging and connect, you will begin to grow. You're not just connecting with people, you're connecting with the word. You must connect with the word. And anybody that's not sitting under the word, anybody that doesn't sit up under the word, anybody that doesn't sit up under the word is not connected. So if you're standing outside of the word on a continuous basis, that's not what you need. This is the time for you to relax, drink coffee, or whatever you do, you're not going to be connected. You're not going to be a part of the new harvest. Everybody sits up under the word. And if I wasn't teaching and I was here, I wouldn't be in my office while somebody's teaching i sit right there because i'm trying to model i'm trying to model for the people of god that if you're not speaking you should sit up under the word you don't come to church just to perform all of us need to feed can somebody say amen and then the last is so looking and i'm dealing with that today serving serving if you look at the texts uh this morning you'll find out that satan Um, after taking Jesus to the high mountain in verse nine, and he took him to a high mountain um, in verse eight, he took him to a high mountain, a very high mountain in his imagination. And the Lord spoke to me and said, he's doing it with our children as well. Our young people, Uh, they're being snatched and taken to high mountains, but it's through their marijuana use. It's through their marijuana use. They're playing with marijuana. You see uh, an agitated spirit or you see an unnatural thing in your child usually it's tied to something that they're doing and they don't want you to know it. It's unnatural. Some things are unnatural. And I'm telling you what's happening with our young people, the ones that's under 30, 29, 28, 27, 26, 25, 24, 23, 22, 21, 20, 19, 18, 17, 16, 15, 14, 13, 12, 11 years old, 10. While you playing games and still trying to find your manhood or your womanhood, the Satan is snatching them he's snatching them out right under your nose and they're smoking marijuana and the stuff that's going on in the fog Satan is snatching them and taking them to the high mountain you don't need to go through that you don't have to deal with that you don't have to play like that you don't have to go through the prescribed plan you can throw it out of the way and you'll still shine And it's a lie from the devil. And I've been preaching like this for years. I'm hoping that somebody would catch it in the spirit and begin to attack the principality and the power and the ruler that's in the fog up there and cast it down by you stepping in there and breaking up the fog. You cannot become friends with rebellion. You must confront rebellion. I can't negotiate with rebellion even in the church. If you're rebellious, I have to shut that down because God hates it and he won't deal with it. The worst thing you can do is rebel. That's what Satan did. And Jesus said, I saw him fall as lightning. After rebelling, the next thing that happens is a fall on your face and i don't want to see it and this is why we come at it the way we do because it's very important watch this it's not just young people that's rebellion it's grown folk that's rebellion i'm j- rebellion. i'm just not going to move i feel what i feel and you don't understand how close you are to the edge don't push me cuz i'm close to the edge i'm trying hard not to lose my head <laughs> I ain't no killer, but don't push me. (laughs) Belonging, connecting, growing, and serving. Growing, growing, and serving. Notice what Jesus, as he's taken to the mountain. If if Satan can snatch Jesus and take him to a mountain, a high mountain, the scripture says in verse 8. And show him all the kingdoms of the world in a flash and its splendor. Why can't you think he can't do that to us? Delusions of grandeur. You weren't really faithful while you were here, but all of a sudden you're getting promoted. You didn't really stick with the plan. You don't sow, you don't give, you don't support, but all of a sudden God told you you're elevated. Does that sound like God to you? The Bible says that uh, uh, Moses was chosen by God, but look, notice what he had, 40 years of submission in Pharaoh's house. And then as he was cast out, he had 40 years of wandering in the, in the wilderness, another 40 years submitted to his father-in-law, taking care of his sheep, not his own. And after 80 years of that submitted life, he looks in the mountains and he can see a bush burning. He says, I'm going to investigate. Didn't know God was trying to get him to see something. I've watched your 40 years. I've watched your temperament. I've watched your disposition. I've watched you take care of somebody else's stuff. Now I'm about to bless you with your own. But you have history of taking being a good steward over somebody else's stuff. becoming the meekest you got all of this strength and all of this power and all of your bilingual you can speak this dialect and you can also speak the dialect the languages of of the egyptians you're able to face fears you're a warrior he was a nice looking man josephus said that he was so nice looking women would faint when they saw him riding through the chariot i don't know about all that but uh, that's what the jewish historian said (laughs) Moses was a bad man. This was a bad man. This was a man that knew what time it was. This was a man that fought uh, warriors out, away from a whale as they were pushing the women back. This was a man single-handedly that took care of all of that. But he was also faithful and meek, glory to God. And when he saw that bush burning but that it wasn't consumed, he investigated. He didn't just say, well, ah, it's none of my business. He said, you know what, I want to go up and see this. And he came into the presence of the Lord. God says, I've seen the cries of my people. This is Exodus chapter 3. By reason of their taskmasters and I've come down to deliver them. That's what we call Afrocentric gospel. The bondage, the oppression, and the deliverance. Eurocentric is John chapter 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his son and came down to deliver them. But it's Eurocentric. Because people that never been in bondage wouldn't understand I've heard the cries of my people by reason of their taskmasters and I've come down to deliver them. Some people don't need that message, but the Afro would know what I'm talking about, especially if you've been oppressed. Notice now you got to understand this man after God speaks to him and after he saw his 80 years of submission, he then releases the man. And everybody want to be like Moses, but they forget the 80 years that prepared him for the assignment. And what you do right now is preparing you for your assignment. Your temperament, your disposition, how you handle conflict, what's going on with setback, how you deal with family issues, how you deal with personal issues, how you relate to people. Is it hard for you to embrace or do you refrain from embracing? Are you always offended? What's going on? Are you always depressed? Do you ever bounce back? And those are the people when God is looking for promotion, he's looking for people that has some length in development. They have depth and height and width as it relates to the pool of development. And from that, he picks those people out and send them forth. They don't have to be perfect. Moses wasn't perfect, but you should be consistent. If repetition is the mother of skill, instruction is the father of skill. And the thing that incubates, glory to God, your skill is connection and it is continuancy and it is consistency. So you need to be consistent if you want your gift to grow. Can the church say amen? amen. Thank you, Lord. Jesus takes uh, Jesus is taken to a high mountain by Satan in his imagination and showed all of the kingdoms of the world and their splendor and all these things I will give you. He said, if you will bow down and worship me, I will give you the splendor. And the kingdoms of this world, if you'll just worship me. Look at Satan wants our worship so much, he's willing to give it all for you, give it all to you for a season, just to get that moment. I like Jesus' response. Glory to God. Away from me, Satan. King James says, get thee behind me. And some of you don't need to say, get thee behind me, because you got a weak backside. You have no covering, no glory at all. Jesus can say, get thee behind me because he was proven. You need to tell the devil to get out of my way. Say that, get out of my way, devil. In other words, you're blocking my future. You're blocking where I'm going. You're standing in the midst of me and my next season. And I'm telling you to get out of my way. Everybody want to be like Jesus, but you're not doing what Jesus did. When he takes you to the pinnacle of the temple, you look at it. Oh, I like that. Oh, I like that. Don't even want to go in the temple, but you want to be at the pinnacle. Don't want, to, don't want to prove yourself by submitting in the temple. You want to be on the top of it. You want to be in names and lights without learning how to do the possession of the temple and to clean the temple and the work in the temple you want to be on the stage of the temple the highest pinnacle for us on the temple is not the pinnacle it is the altar and if you ever want to go high in the church learn to bow knee and worship god can the church say amen Jesus said unto him, I like what Jesus responded. He said, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and him only will you serve. Glory to God. Worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Notice the order. Worship is always before service. We get it twisted. We want to come in and do ministry without worshiping. And we say what we do is our worship. I'm going to show you that there's a difference between worship and service. Jesus gave the first indicator. You worship God first and then you serve God. We got it twisted in the 21st century. We want to serve in a ministry with no worship. And I'm teaching on worship. I'm sorry on service. As you were on service, but don't forget to worship first. What really makes us all connected is not that we're all in the same house or we're all, most of us are part of the same ethnicity or all of us are part of the same culture. What makes us one is our relationship with Jesus. And if Jesus is in your heart, what he requires is a worshiping heart. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but John chapter 4 says you should worship the Lord only and him only shall you serve. John chapter 4 says that hour is coming and now is. When Jesus is talking to the woman at the well, where true worshipers would worship him in spirit and in truth. I'm giving you the truth now. The order of worship is worship comes before service. You would be more amenable and malleable If you have a lifestyle and you should be molded, if you are a block of clay on the potter's wheel and you should be molded into the image that God has called you to be, what makes you moldable is that God slaps a little water on you. God slaps water when you worship that when the potter spins you on the wheel of circumstance, he can use pressure to mold you into what he wants you to be and you're not blocking him, you're not fighting against him as he puts pressure on your life. If you don't get the water on you, when you spin, you're hurt. All All of us are spinning on the wheel of circumstance. I don't know what's going on own in my life i can't put my feet down i don't know what's happening to me and god says don't worry about the spin as long as i have my hands on you and if you worship me i'll throw moisture on you if you worship me i'll pull straw out of you if you worship me i'll take those rocks out of your soul And as I mold you, hallelujah, you will start looking like the one that's molding you. You will look like Jesus more. You won't want to fight as much. You won't be as quiet as you are. You'll start rising up. The lion in you will begin to roar. The woman in you will be more malleable. The man in you will be the warrior that God has called. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. Woo, Jesus and God wants to get something new in this world not the old you we've seen enough of that he wants something new Jeremiah said I went down to the potter's house good God from Zion and there I saw work on a wheel and the the potter said to Jeremiah as I do with this clay can I also do with my people and people want to come to Jesus thinking everything going to be all right. And they're trying to mix what they saw in the mountain while they were smoking, while they were smoking their stuff. They're trying to mix that into God's plan for your life. But if he puts you on the wheel of circumstance, you got to be able to get rid of what you saw when you were on the high mountain and the splendor thereof. And start saying, whatever you have for me, I'm willing to give my life for it. And I'm willing to allow you to mold me and make me make me over again. In. Make me brand new. Put something new in my soul. I'm not trying to fulfill what they told me I'm supposed to do, but I'm going to do what you've called me to do. Woo, Jesus. Where are the true worshipers at? Where are the true worshipers at? Hallelujah. As soon as you start spinning, you want to get off the wheel, but let God mold you into what He wants you to be. Ah. Jesus. Woo, Jesus. Come on, how many of you have been in the spin a long time? (laughs) You've been spinning a long time. Hallelujah. Don't worry about the spin. Just say, God, I know your hands are on my life. And if you spin me for the next three wheels, as long as your hands are on me. Uh, Like David said, I know I messed up in my life. And I made some mistakes. And I've got to forgive myself. And you can beat me as long as you want. And you can spin me a thousand times. But whatever you do. Don't take your spirit away from me Uh, I need your spirit I need you breathing inside of me I need you empowering me to do great things Uh, I need you working in me to will and to do of your good pleasure Uh, I need you empowering me Uh, Push me over this hump Uh, Push me over this circumstance Uh, I need to get busy now Uh, I need to fulfill what you call me to do this comes when you begin to worship the Lord clap your hands all ye people Ah. come on worship creates something on the inside it gives you a greater capacity Jesus. open your mouth and give him glory it's here ah Jesus. open your mouth and give him glory ah come on your blessing is right on the other side of worship your deliverance is on the other side of worship hallelujah Jesus take your seat for a moment I need to teach just a little bit more now here's the introduction there was a growing movement in the religious world to broaden what is commonly known or identified as worship. There is a growing movement in the religious world to broaden what is commonly known as worship or what is identified as worship. Rather than it being limited to specific activities and personal worship there's a tendency to broaden it beyond that wanting us to embrace the idea that worship is a lifestyle that is so broad that it encompasses everything every moment of your life your existence or to be in an occasion everything in your life is an occasion to worship And I understand that. But I need to make a distinction between worship and service. It is true that all of us should allow God to be manifested in every area of our lives. And we should always be in service to God. But I'm trying to identify that there is a distinct difference between service and worship. They are not synonymous There are times when you should serve, and there are times when you should worship. There are times when Martha steps up, and there are times when Mary steps up. They are two distinct sisters, and then there are times when Lazarus is absent and needs to be on the scene. Mary is the worshipper, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha is the worker or the server. Who's busy cleaning up the kitchen. Cooking pies and cakes. (laughs) Where she should be sitting at the feet. And then you have Lazarus in the bed and he's coughing. He isn't dead, but he's sick. And he's the witness. And many of us, the witness of our life is sick. We don't proclaim and tell anybody that he saved us. We just say, I'm going through a rough batch right now. Or I'm so blessed. I don't need God. The witness is coughing. Chest is congested. And if you don't change, death is inevitable. We cannot tie service and worship It's like trying to blend or sew two sisters together. When at one time they were Siamese, but we must separate them. Each one should have their own batch of lungs and their own singular heart, not sharing a heart. The heart of service and the heart of worship should work together, but they should not be the same separate them what you do in service is not necessarily worship yet God requires both thank you Lord so we want to see if our worship is full grown how grown is your service and then if your service is an adult in your life then how small is your worship is it an infant infant that screaming for a bottle that hadn't had suck for a while is malnourished or are you giving time to your worship so it can grow full grown and begin to blossom and do what God has designed for it to do write it down worship is a lifestyle the desire to worship the Lord Is most commendable to all believers around the world. And I want to celebrate you. If you have a desire to worship the Lord. God loves you. The Christian worship is momentous. It is extraordinary. It is most urgent. The most glorious action that you can perform in spirit in the earth today. Is to worship God. I believe, and I want you to catch this phrase, when you worship God, you step into what we call an eternal activity. It's the closest to eternity that you will get while here on the earth. It's when you step into his presence and you begin to magnify him. For believers, worship is a primary concern and activity for all of us. It should be active in our lives, just as active as the word is in our lives. Worship should be active. On the contrary, many of us don't worship God as a lifestyle of worship. It's something we may do on Sunday morning and we're still confused with the service and the worship. We say our service is worship. I want you to know they're not the same. I want to affirm the worship. Now, don't get me wrong. Worship is important. I I would say it's a little bit more important than your service. When you worship the Lord, you'll serve better because it doesn't matter what people say. They may give you a thousand likes on Facebook for your service and it not register in heaven because man looks on the outer appearance. But God is looking at the heart. Pastor Green, come for a minute. I want you to stand right here, sir, where I was standing. For right now, he's a better looking man than me, but right now he's me. This is the black diamond. Yeah. Black diamond. So he's standing in my spot. This is just play acting now. I'm standing in the spot of God. Okay. When God looks at a man, he's not looking at his features. He already knows that. He made you. Other people are impressed with you, but not God. Other people call you fine and all that, and that go to your head. God is not concerned with all of that. He can blow, and it all turns to ash. And after the wind goes out of us, those same people don't care after three months. Some of them don't care after a week. So when God looks at us, he's never looking at the number of hair, he's never looking at our dark skin, he's never looking at our beauty and our handsomeness, he's not looking at all of that, what are we wearing, that's not how he looks, he's not even looking at eyes, because the eyes are the mirror of your soul, he doesn't need eyes to see your soul, when he looks at you, this is what he does. He's looking at your heart. (laughs) He's so tied to it. You can't hide. You can't hide. You can't hide from his sight. He knows what you would never say. That's why he's after your worship. Because in the worship he can change that. In the worship, you train out what's there, the stuff that you like and do, and you surrender it in exchange for his will. So the next time you deal with God, stop trying to, you know, play the game. He already knows. Just expose. Just lay it out. And he'll say, you know what? That's the right place you need to be. Because I'm not intimidated and I'm not afraid of it and I won't reject you. I already know what's there. So just surrender it for me. Thank you, sir. Come on, give him a hand. Thank you, Lord. I got a lot to say and I've said a lot, right? So I'm going to close this in a moment and, uh, and not overload you. But I think I've said a lot that I'm supposed to say in this service. And I think one of the sensitivities that I believe God has given me right now is the ability to say what needs to be said and then back it up. Thank you, Lord. What I just did with this man and showed you how God sees us, it is momentous. It is momentous. If we're going to change, we're going to have to expose that. And this is this is what needs to happen in worship. God, I'm giving it to you. I'm giving it all to you. And when it happens like that, God has a way of changing what we can't change. Again, worship is not what we do. It is who we are in Jesus. Do you believe Jesus is in your life? Then worship him. It's not just what we do. It's who we are in him. And if you're a real born-again believer, you should be Christ-like by worshiping him. It's a day-to-day relationship that should be growing from one state of faith to another state, from one state of glory to another state, from one state of strength to another state, a higher state. A lot of times people like to use words that they don't know really what they mean. They don't know the depth of it. And I'm trying to practice as I grow in God, and I've been doing it since I was late, my late 20s, is that when I add a word to my vocabulary, I want to know what it means in several different shades. So I won't just be getting up there repeating what somebody else said, you know, you know, just saying what they said because it sounds catchy. I want to know what I'm saying when I communicate with you. And a lot of people use the term worship, but don't know what it means. They just hear it. You know, we need to worship. But what does it mean? And I think if you have the meaning of a name or word, you'll be able to function better. So worship is defined when people use words without really knowing what, what it means. They kind of stumble and it gives problems to those that you're talking to. Like the word baptism, the word Baptism. Most people say that baptism involves immersing the person, the individual in water, or sprinkling. But if you knew what it means, what would you do? You would do what it means. Our English word comes from the Greek word, bapto, which is defined as to whelm. We get overwhelmed. To cover holy. With fluid. So there are people who say well I will sprinkle. But to baptize means to overwhelm with the liquid. To fully submerge. In other words you got to plunge in. You go down completely. And then you come up. Versus somebody taking sprinkles over your head. Right? So if you know what the word means you will do it completely. It represents death, burial and resurrection submitting to the baptizer submitting to them trusting them to take you down and not hold you down right because you're supposed to die when you go down you die with christ so you die and you're supposed to kind of be buried a little bit till you die then you're resurrect you can't have resurrection power if you never die So if you're telling me this is how you've always been, did you really connect with Jesus? Because when you connect with him, there has to be a plunging, a dying to what you used to think and be. And then burial. So when we baptize, plunge, that's death. Burial, you're under the water for a moment. Then we pull you up death burial and resurrection so when you come out of the water you should think about being new Hallelujah. and if you're new you need a new language you need a new money you need a new attitude you need a new disposition you need a new goal not same old goals but new goals shaped in the very image of his Son. Glory to God. And God wants you to be baptized in his spirit and he wants you to be baptized into worship. Fully submerged. If you want to know a new language, you should be baptized in the culture. So if I wanted to know Spanish, really, I need to be let off in a Spanish speaking country and nobody speaking English around me. And it will force me as I'm baptized and submerged in it to start picking up new words. Gato. 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 Cat. Oh, yeah. Cat. Agua. 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 I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. Nobody understand thirsty. Agua. Oh, aguas. I'm thirsty. Agua. Agua. Caballo. 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 I need transportation. Well, I want a car. There ain't no cars. Horses. Horse. Oh, caballo. Caballo. Yeah. It's a horse. I'm hungry. I need pan, pan bread. I'm learning Spanish, y'all. So, <laughs> 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 periódico, periódico. I need to read the newspaper. Bicicleta. I need to ride that bicycle. Policía. I need to call the police. Necesito mi coche lavado. Necesito mi coche lavado. Take my car to the watch. Whew. If you want to know, know, why won't you baptize in it? Why are you playing with it? You got to start learning it and speaking it. And if you know Jesus, you got to get baptized. It's a new language. You won't just be saying what you used to say, but you'll start speaking word like he wants you. And when it's time to worship, you'll lift up holy hands in this new model, this new dimension that you've entered into. Glory to God. Some people just okay with a little sprinkle, but I'm telling you, we need to immerse ourselves in worship. Last point. The Urban Dictionary gives us some understanding. I like to read the Urban Dictionary sometimes. Everybody shouldn't read it because it can get vile. But when you look at the Urban Dictionary, even the Urban Dictionary says this about worship. Surrendering to God, humbling yourselves for him so he can change you And bring you closer to him. That's the urban dictionary for worship. Surrendering to God. Humbling yourself for him. So that he can change you. And bring you closer to him. Absolutely. We should surrender to God. And humble ourselves. And certainly we need to be changed. Not by man, but by God so we can be closer to him. But watch this. A lot of that I said is not worship. It's just surrender. Worship is an action. Portion of it is surrender. But it's involving your heart. I can surrender to you physically, but inside of me, and that would say I submit like this. But inside of me, I could be standing up and you'll never know. A lot of people may be laying in worship, but they're still standing in defiance. So That's why you can't wrestle nobody down when it comes to worship. It has to be a surrendering on your part. No preacher can preach it into you. Nobody can force. Everybody, everybody. That, that's not worship. It has to be willing from your heart. And if you are agitated, listen to me, you're wasting time. Gentleness is the regulator of all fruit of the spirit. If it's not gentle, it doesn't qualify as fruit of the spirit. And even in worship, no, come on, everybody, come. If I got to force you to surrender, Amen. it is not intimacy with God. Amen. All he's saying is come to me. Something you has to be, Ah, uh, I'll go. Uh, I'll go. Uh, you want me to lift my hands? I'll do it. You want me to shout hallelujah? Yes, Lord. You want me to surrender? Yes, Lord. I do it willingly, not because I'm forced to do it or I'm threatened to do it. It comes from my heart. Thank you, Lord. So, Father, I thank you for thinking through my mind and speaking through these lips of clay as an oracle. For where there is no vision, the people perish. I give praise for this release from your throne. And I'm asking you now to touch the heart of worshipers. As we serve you, help us to not forget to take a moment and worship you. And as I engage in completing this message and then shifting over into to grow, I pray now that you would ignite within us a passion to worship and to praise you wholeheartedly. Father, I know your people are aching, but when there was a death, David went in and washed himself and changed his clothes. And he entered into the house and he began to worship. And Father, I pray that even as we grieve, there will be a calling back to the heart of worship. Father, I thank you for all that you're doing in the lives of your people. I decree this is a moment to have your way. Have your way. And we, we praise you and worship you forward for the things that's coming. And Father, I thank you for every heart and soul being massaged in the name of the Lord while in your presence. Thank you for this download and this release in the atmosphere of your people. Father, I give you praise for making me a father of many nations. And I give you praise for the sons and the daughters that are assigned to this ministry, that they will be awakened and tune in to the voice pitch that you've given in the earth today. Holy Spirit, even use it to touch the hearts of your people, even go beyond it to change and transform their lives. And God, I thank you for that and I bless you for all that you're doing. Have your way in our lives on this week as we worship you, as we take a moment to not forget to worship. In Jesus' name, amen. It has been a real joy to share the word of God with you. A special thank you to those who care for this ministry. No amount of financial support is too small. It is because of you this ministry is possible. To support us, go to our website at truthrevealed.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share with friends. Be sure to tag us when you share at Trim Nation 1. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, I'll see you at the Word of Truth Revealed.